week on Overdrive Radio, this edition for June 30th, 2023, for podcast subscribers and going live at the world famous overdriveonline.com on Monday, July 3rd, we've got June's Trucker of the Month, Debbie Desperado, in conversation with our own Overdrive news editor, Matt Cole. Cole's story about Desiderato's long trucking career is live now at the website, and today we'll hear parts of that in Desiderato's own words. She's built considerable value with the do-it-yourself approach to business throughout her well more than two decades as an independent owner-operator. I'm Todd Dills, and if Debbie's name sounds familiar, that's because she's been here on the podcast before. Likewise, in our co-production with PRX's Radiotopia Network of the Over the Road series, which originally aired in 2020. Active with the Make-A-Wish Foundation's Mother's Day Convoy events, the Real Women in Trucking group, and more, too, she's made a name for herself as an independent, not afraid to tell it like it is, and to give back in the form of advice for those coming up. Tools and business processes she's built for herself through the years, she readily shares with others as a familiar face at truck shows around the nation, online, and elsewhere. As an example, take her 2018 launch of a mapping application for smartphones geared to help haulers store location information for themselves. She built the program herself and made it available free for anyone. It's simple, useful, and comes with an app name, Trucker Notes. Her designation as Trucker of the Month for June, though, is as much a testament to her perseverance through the tumult of the last two decades as an independent with authority. She attributes a lot of her success to that do-it-yourself spirit particularly in the mechanical right. um, Things like that that can, you know, that could potentially put me in a shop for weeks. You know, I can I can take care of stuff like that once I diagnose it. Her growth as owner through the years hasn't always been easy, though. As she described the early years learning by trial and error that, depending on the destination, sometimes you got to take that backhaul with you in the headhaul rate. Not knowing, you know, the... The little things that you should know, like don't go to Denver or don't go to Seattle. When you don't know that and you go there and you sit for a week and you can't get out of there. You know, it's a hard lesson. There's really no, there's no book on this, you know. Mm -hmm. You can call me crazy, but I sense another new title in Debbie Desiderato's future. On the other side of a break, we'll drop right in with owner-operator, mechanic, salesperson, app developer, overdrive June Trucker of the Month, and I'll say author Debbie Desiderato, writing the book on trucking as an independent. Keep tuned. Every diesel needs to defend against clogged injectors, low lubricity, and slipping fuel economy. The best defense is the best defender. How's Diesel Defender with Advanced IDX4 Detergent? Get a deeper clean, maximum lubricity, and boosted fuel economy. Guaranteed. House Diesel Defender. Get optimal performance. House for every diesel. You can find more information about House Diesel Defender at HWESHouseProducts.com. Here's Debbie Desiderato taking us down under, back to her beginnings in Australia. Well, I was born and raised in Australia, and... I didn't know a thing about trucks growing up until my mother sent me to New Zealand uh, to spend a little vacation with my older brother, who was a truck driver in New Zealand, and went out on the road with him over there, and that's pretty much where I got the trucking bug, 
I, I knew exactly, you know, when I was 13 years old, I'm going to be a truck driver. I, I just <laughs> knew it. You know, I thought, I thought it was the coolest thing riding around in a truck. You know? So, you know, that's where the interest began. And um, I was, you know, when I grew up in Australia, I became a, um, what we call a postie. That's a letter carrier. Okay. In Australia, and they deliver mail by motorcycle over there. So, and that was another interest they had was you know motorcycles. So, mm-hmm. I was I thought I had a pretty steady job with the post office, and uh, a couple of years after they sold out to uh, private contractors, so I I got a contract with the post office, and it just kind of went downhill. It wasn't wasn't good money anymore so uh, I had pen pals in New York because that was well before computers came out so I'd been writing to these people in New York and they convinced me to come over for a vacation so in 1994 I think it was I came over for a vacation and absolutely fell in love with the place I mean all I saw was New York mm-hmm. but um just loved everything about it and I still remember diesel fuel was 99 cents a gallon (laughs) 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 so um yeah I went home and uh pretty much packed up sold all my stuff cashed in my 401k and said screw it I'm moving to America (laughs) and so I did uh, that was, I think, 96 when I came back. Okay, yeah, it was 94. Gotcha. I came for a vacation. Yeah, two years later, I had everything sold and cashed in and moved over here and uh, stayed with my friends in New York. And <clears throat> they hooked me up with a job. My first job over here was driving a wreck up for five bucks an hour. Yeah, it was pretty rough. But, you know, five bucks an hour was not that bad back then. I mean, I could survive on it. Mm-hmm. It was great. But uh did that for a couple of years, learned a lot, and um, didn't know where I was going. Like, the boss threw me the keys of the truck and a map and said, good luck, you know. <laughs> so I was, I was driving around the streets of New York City. I could barely stay on the right side of the road. So, because I was used to driving on the other side, you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah but that that was fun. And uh, from there, I think 1999 or 98, I met my husband. No, sorry, 96, I met him. 98, we got married. In 1999, I moved to a, uh, a car hauling company on Long Island. They were the biggest in the Northeast at the time. And uh, they had 42 trucks. Doesn't sound very big, but they pretty much had the Northeast wrapped up. Mm-hmm. So um, they took a chance on me and, and pretty much let me do whatever I wanted at that company. Um, I became the DOT uh, safety manager. And, like, I handled the audits. We used to get a lot of audits. Um, that's a bad sign, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would I would handle the audits. And then I was driving trucks for them, uh, car haulers. And, you know, when you come from another country, 
like you have to get your license all over again. Mm-hmm. I think my inter- my international license was good for one year, but I had to start from scratch again, get my car license, my motorcycle license, and then I got my uh, CDL A through that car hauling company, and they were kind enough to let me use one of their trucks, and I just taught myself. And, you know, they would give me a truck I would take home at night. I would just drive the truck to my house and then back to work the next day, crashing gears and trying to figure it out, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And next thing you know, I'm going for a road test and I've got a Class A license. So that was kind of a weird way to start trucking. Well, before I got the Class A, I was was driving Class B vehicles for them. Mm -hmm. So then I think it was 2000 and I think it was 2003 I went out and got my own authority because the car hauling company um it was past its prime and it was kind of going downhill the owner he was the old guy and um I could kind of see where it was going and I learned a whole lot with that company I learned enough to go out on my own and, you know, get customers and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I got my authority in 2003. I was hauling all over the country. I went for the best customers. I got Jaguar, Porsche, and Mercedes. Oh, wow. And, I, yeah, I started out just in the New York tri-state area. And by referrals, um, next thing you know, I'm like branching out further and further. And, you know, I'm out in Colorado, I'm in California, and I was just one truck and too many customers. I made a ton of money. I made so much money, I couldn't count it. But I also couldn't stay awake, you know? Mm-hmm. So I leased, I leased on a driver, which I never wanted to do. I never wanted to grow because kind of just, you know, like being small and independent and only having to worry about myself. So I did lease on a driver and just as I expected, he let me down and made me look bad in front of customers and I didn't like that. So I said, well, I'm not doing that again. Right. So, um, yeah, I did that car hauling until about, about 2008 or something. And I used to do a lot of DOT audits for my friends that had small trucking companies as well. So I was kind of in and out of Long Island, trying to run a truck, trying to do audits for my friends and, um, you know, trying to keep it together. And I really burned out, you know. So I think it was, I think it was 2010, I decided I need to, uh, you know, not, I need to work smarter, not harder. You know, car hauling's a lot of work. It's good money, but it's a lot of work, physical work. So I said, you know, I'm going to buy a, a just a regular over-the-road sleeper tractor and a, a dry van and see how that goes. And I did and pretty much stuck with it. I realized, you know, it's, it's a lot easier on your body. <laughs> yeah. And you can... You can make just as good a money if you do it right. So um, 
pretty much been pulling dry bands since then. I've done a few other things in between. Um, I usually do, I usually run FEMA uh, Freight when there's a hurricanes of mm-hmm. water tankers and MREs. And, and then I got with uh, the United States government's biggest contractor and I subcontracted for them pulling MREs out of um, Norfolk, Virginia, the naval base taking those to a bunch of other military bases okay. around the east coast yeah um you know so i've kind of found you've got to like find your your uh your niche in dry van because uh, that broker board freight is just terrible <laughs> so, sorry fast forward a little bit when the uh i was doing mres when uh, the pandemic hit us and okay. everything just came just came to a screeching halt and i ended up parking the truck i said well i'm just going to take a little bit of time off and see what happens here and i couldn't get any more military freight nothing was moving and i said well i need to do something so i bought a hot shot <laughs> and uh <laughs> took off and, and did some um like machinery and vehicles and stuff running all over the place. Regular readers will recall I told that story of Debbie Desiderato's return to car hauling of a fashion in 2020 of a piece of a larger series on hotshot hauling called Hotshot as Downsized Pandemic Refuge. I'll post the link to it in the show notes and the post that houses this podcast as well when it goes live at overdriveonline.com July 3rd, 2023. Suffice it to say, that run didn't last all that long, though did prove to be a refuge for at least a and short time. It was fun, but there wasn't enough money in it, you know. But anyway, the freight came back again, and mm-hmm. uh, and then I then I I moved. I bought a house down in uh, Virginia, which was something I'd been wanting to do for a long time. I found a nice little property, bought a house down there, and my husband didn't want to move there. He was born and raised in New York. He was a New Yorker. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to have a little, you know, part-time hideaway in the mountains. So I bought that place. And then um, I met my neighbors who were everybody around that area is into logging. Um, That's pretty much the only thing to do in the mountains is logging. So next thing you know, I'm pulling a log trailer. So I'm kind of, I'm half... You know, doing van freight, um, doing logging on the side, and uh, I got rid of that hot shot. That didn't work out very good for me. But um, yeah, I'm just back to van freight and then doing logging when I'm at home. That's pretty much where I'm at today. When you went out on your own authority um, in uh, 2003, you said um, was uh, walkabout transport. Was that the name of your of your uh, company from the from the get go no. there? No, I was classic auto transport. Okay. Classic auto transport. Yeah, I've kept the same DOT number and MC number all these years. All I did when I came back out in the dry van, I just changed the name to Walkabout. Okay. Because I wasn't auto tran- auto transport anymore. I figured just Walkabout transport that covers whatever kind of freight I'm doing. Are you still pretty pretty much hauling all over the country, or is are there any specific lanes you like to stick to? 
I just go wherever my customer sends me. She has customers in uh, Mobile, Alabama. Right now I'm coming back from, uh, where was I, O'Fallon, Missouri. Um, she has sent me to Portland, Oregon in the winter. Just wherever her customers are. And matter of fact, she said to me, if I if I had a flatbed, she could give me more work. And I said, well, okay, I can get a flatbed. So I bought a flatbed and then I said to myself, I don't really want more work. Like mm -hmm. I'm comfortably busy right now. Um, now, you know, I've paid off my truck, I've paid off the house. Um, my expenses are extremely, extremely low because, you know, I live in the mountains and my insurance is less than $5,000 a year, if you can believe that. Oh, wow. That 4000 yeah, $4,850 a year, which is incredibly low. Um, and that's through NASDAQ. Um, I think it's, you know, it, it, it's to do with how long you've had your authority and, mm -hmm. you know, your MVR and all that stuff. And I'm spotless, DOT and license and everything is spotless. So, you know, you can really get it down that low. It's possible. So, yeah, my expenses are really low, so I don't need to work. You know, I don't need to do 100,000 miles a year. I maybe work, I reckon I work maybe 25 weeks a year. Okay. Pretty much a week a week on, a week at home. Sometimes a week on, two weeks at home. But during that two weeks, I might, you know, do some logging locally. And that's that's cash money, so I like that. I I bought a flatbed, which I'm in the middle of uh, pretty much rebuilding the whole thing. And I think that was just a waste of time because I, I don't want more work. You know, I've got – she keeps me comfortably busy. They make a product for um, – I don't want to give away too much details. Well, <clears throat> it's a product that goes inside of pipes, like underground okay. pipes. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's felt, and felt is 80% air. <laughs> so I'm hauling 80% air. <laughs> yeah, really light loads, I imagine. Yes, they are very light, very easy. Um, they're on, like, really big pallets, like 15-foot-long pallets. Okay. So I get I get two to three pallets, and that's it, and it weighs, like, 5,000 pounds. Wow. And, you know, I got a six hundred. I got a six hundred horsepower engine. It's like it's like I'm hauling nothing. You know? <laughs> but then, but then on on the other side of the spectrum, when I'm hauling logs, you know, I'm a hundred thousand pounds. So I need the I need the horsepower. Yeah, you know, for sure. For the logging. Yeah. Are you still in the 2017 Western Star? Yeah. Okay. I love this truck. This has been an awesome truck. Gives me very few problems. It's a DD sixteen Detroit, okay. six hundred ponies. I bought this truck in. I think I bought it twenty twenty one. Yeah, I did March of twenty twenty one. Okay, and then the Transfix thing was in like September of that year. Yeah, it was not long after I bought the truck. Yeah. Regular overdrive readers and listeners will recall what Cole and Desiderato are making reference to there. The custom interior renovation the owner-operator won for that 2017 Western Star is part of the Transfix Digital Brokerage's Transfix My Rig sweepstakes. 
conducted by Secret Celebrity Renovation star Jason Cameron. Find the details in the September 24th, 2021 edition of Overdrive Radio. I'll post a link to that podcast in the show notes too, and you can find it uh, via the world-famous overdriveonline.com slash overdrive-radio as well. Cult's talk with her turn then to business matters, bookkeeping, and the like, where Desiderato strives for bedrock simplicity where she can, even with all the quick shifts she's made throughout recent years in search of stability and profits. I keep it simple. Um, that's why I don't have, you know, I've, I've never wanted to grow because I've never wanted to be responsible for somebody else's, um, you know, paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just, I just keep it simple. Um, I do pretty much everything myself. I'm a real do-it-yourselfer. Like, you know, I do my own road taxes and, um, you know, my permits and stuff. I do everything I can myself. I do a lot of repairs, um, you know, all changes and all that stuff. Matter of fact, I, I just, what was it? Oh, the oil pressure switch went out on me a couple of weeks ago. Driving down the road at 65 and the truck just cuts off. Oh, no. Completely cuts off. I, yeah, I got no brakes, no steering, no nothing. I managed to get over to the shoulder. And I had no idea this truck doesn't tell me, you know, what's wrong with it. Like just the stupid idi- idiot light will come on. <laughs> check engines. So I'm like, okay, I get out, I check, check the engine, it's there. <laughs> you know, I couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. Well, I happen to have a PhD in Google. Yeah, there you go. I I figured figured it out. It was the all pressure sensor, so yeah, I took care of that. Um, things like that that can, you know, that could potentially put me in a shop for weeks. You know, I can I can take care of stuff like that once I diagnose it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't mind getting my hands dirty, you know. And my neighbor's a welder, and he helps me a lot with the. Uh, you know, other stuff that I can't do myself. Um, recently just had to change airbags and shocks and stuff all around. So, yeah, I try to stay out of the shop as much as I can. Um, you know, I'll buy the parts and uh, order a lot of stuff online. I order stuff I don't need just so I got it. Mm. And you know, things you know are going to go out eventually, like starters and alternators and stuff. And, uh, you know, keep them in my garage at home or keep them in the truck with me. And um, I think I saved a lot of money. You know, my first couple of years trucking, I remember one year spending $30,000 on repairs, and I said, that that's just ridiculous. That has to stop, you know. Mm, right. And I know, you know, I know. I know people spend, you know, way more than that on repairs, but that's not okay with me, you know. I'm not okay with that. So, yeah, I try to, I try to do everything I can myself. And um, I have a, you call it invoicing software program on my phone that I, uh, I keep um, updated, and it tracks my invoices and you know when I've got to bill somebody I just I can email an invoice right from the program and which program is it yeah, that you use it's invoice simple 
Okay. It cost me like five bucks, five bucks a month. Oh, I think it just went up, but I'm grandfathered in. I think it's like $20 a month now or something. But they didn't raise mine because I've been with them pretty much since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it'll keep track and it'll tell me if something's, you know, approaching 30 days. Whereas, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem getting paid. Like <clears throat> I have no, you know, written off debt, nobody that's not paid me. And I have had to file on surety bonds in the past. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, I, I know it's pretty much just a phone call to the surety bond company and then I get paid, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't go any further. You know, I don't have to actually file a claim. Mm-hmm. The the surety bond company will call the broker and say, "Hey, <laughs> next thing you know, I'm getting paid." <laughs> so, um, yeah, I keep track of that, keeping control of expenses, and you know, doing as much as I can myself, which is pretty much everything. Um, I mean, if I if I had to if I had to change a turbo or something, I could do it. Um, if I had to, you know, take the motor apart, I couldn't do that. But, you know, I could do a lot of repairs and stuff myself. Where'd you pick up that mechanical ability, that, that knowledge? That just comes from being Australian. Uh, from, <laughs> comes from being Australian. Like, it's like we're born with it, you know? I guess because the roads out there are really remote. Mm-hmm. And... You don't have a truck stop at every other exit like you do here. Um, you might go a day and a half without seeing another person or a gas station or anything on the road in Australia. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of a, a born resourcefulness that we have. <laughs> it's kind of weird. I remember when I was a kid, my mum... Uh, the car broke down. I think it broke. It broke a uh, fan belt, and she used pan- her pantyhose <laughs> to make a fan belt. Oh wow! And just like, yeah, tied in a knot, and it worked. You know, we made it. Whatever the next hundred miles or something. That's amazing. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's just what you got to do out there. Otherwise, the Aborigines will get you. <laughs> <All> the snakes <laughs> or something. <laughs> And if they don't get you, the sun will. It'll <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, trucking, trucking, so much more convenient over here. You know, showers every other exit. Restaurants. Well, there used to be restaurants open all night, but since <laughs> the pandemic, that's right. changed. But uh, yeah, it's a lot more convenient here. Being a one truck owner operator and. Um, you know, being able to get in directly with shippers, um, you know, how did you, how did you approach that? That was not easy. I tell you, um, this customer I have right now, which I don't need anybody else. Cause I got, I got that company. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, you know, I can't, I can only be in, you know, one place at a time. So, um, I called them up one day. And I knew they were there, and they're right in my neighborhood. And I called them up one day, and 
it must have took me three days to build up the nerve to even make the phone call. Like, I'm not a salesperson. Mm -hmm. I don't like sales. And I think, you know, a lot of truckers struggle with this. So I called them up one day and I got through to a decision maker, but she didn't want to hear me out. And I, she tried to hang up the phone. I said, just, just hear me out one second. I said, I live right in your neighborhood. I go all over the country. Use me as a backup. That's all when you get stuck. And that, that got her attention. So she said, all right, send me your, you know, insurance and stuff. Here's my email. And, you know, she, she was not happy that I got through. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, they get a million of these phone calls a day from brokers and stuff. And I know I get spam calls all day long and I hate them. So I sent her, you know, my authority and my, my insurance and stuff. Well, the insurance, um, accord certificate that I sent, it was kind of blurry. She, uh, emails me back and she said, could you send me a clearer copy? I said, I'm five minutes away. How about I just walk it into you? She said, okay. So that was my chance. I got my foot in the door. So I made a nice little folder with a clear copy of my insurance, my authority and my W9 and, uh, you know, put on a clean walkabout T-shirt and uh, went in there and introduced myself. Well, that that was all it took. I was off and running from that day on. I think I had a load the next day. And I just, yeah, I serviced the hell out of them. Like, they know that I'm only five minutes away and, you know, they they can call me last minute, but they don't anymore. They give me like a week's notice. Uh, matter of fact, sometimes I'll pick up a load from them. I'll just get going, start headed to, I don't know, Alabama, and they'll say, um, when can you get back and grab this next one, you know? <laughs> so it's like they barely, they barely give me enough time to, you know, find another load and get back now. But um, it's all good. And that was that was difficult for me to do that because, you know, I'm not a salesperson. Um, I'd called a few companies in the past and, um, I got one guy who's also in the neighborhood that uh, manufact- manufactures plastic. You know, I like lightweight stuff. <laughs> and um, he, you know, he was negotiating with me on the phone about pricing. And <clears throat> he was trying to get me at, you know, rock bottom prices. And I said, no, I don't need your business that bad, you know. So nothing ever came of that mm-hmm. um but there's you know there's a couple of brokers also that i can call upon that i've worked with several times a year and they remember me and um ones that you know pay me fast i take notes <clears throat> i created an app um i don't know if you know about it trucker notes uh several years ago and i put notes in there about shippers you know where i pick up from and where i deliver it's just it it, you know it's my own notes so that if i'm back in this area and i need a load out i can you know call this broker that i've done loads out of there before because it gets hard to remember everything when you're running all over the country you know definitely so um 
yeah, so that helps a lot. I don't, you know, it doesn't always work. I don't always get a load, you know, where I need to go. But um, it sure is easier nowadays than it used to be. And I don't know if it's because I got older and I'm not, you know, out there, like, busting my ass anymore. I don't know if it's that, if it's because the truck's paid off, the house is paid off, and, you know, I don't really have to make a whole lot of money. But I know it's a lot easier. Trucking seems to be a lot easier than it used to be, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Maybe well, it's because I don't give much of a shit anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And it wasn't always, I mean, I remember just barely making truck payments. You know, this is the fourth 18-wheeler I've owned. And I remember, you know, my first and second trucks scrambling to try to, you know, make ends meet and not knowing, you know, the, the little things that you should know, like don't go to Denver or don't go to Seattle. When you don't know that and you go there and you sit for a week and you can't get out of there and you end up taking some cheap shit just to get you out, you know, it's a hard lesson. There's really no, there's no book on this, you know, mm -hmm. but the things you learn along the way, you know, makes you a smarter truck driver, you know, where not to go or, you know, what do they say? Take your backhaul with you when you mm -hmm. go to Denver. You know, right? All those little things you learn along the way, and it gets easier after years of doing it, I guess. Here's a big thanks to the owner operator for her time and for her story. I wanted to note our sincere condolences on the loss of her husband in January of this year. I know 2022 was a tough one for her in ways much more difficult than any cost inflation, that's sure. Our condolences, Debbie, again. And congrats on the Trucker of the Month nod, of course. That puts Desiderato in the running for Overdrive's 2023 Trucker of the Year Award. There's still time for all of you to nominate a deserving owner of up to three trucks, or enter yourself. You can do that via the nomination form at overdriveonline.com. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, too, wherever you're listening. And if you haven't, leave Overdrive a rating or review there. No doubt it helps other interested owners find the podcast. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American Trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with the acoustic guitar and other support of trucker songwriter Long Paul Paul Marhofer, who you'll hear from next week. The theme is Legend of the Snake Man by Marhofer, featuring the guitar work of Travis, the snake man himself, Whammock, Terry Two Socks Richardson on bass, keys by Tishomingo Jim Whitehead, and on drums, Andrew Marshall. The podcast is backed up further by Overdrive's own news editor, Matt Cole, who we also heard from today, social media coordinator Holly Young, executive editor Alex Lockie, and video editors Lawson Rudisil and Andrew Glenn. It's all for today. See you next time.